Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, back again for another one of our fantabulous podcasts. I mean, that's a bit arrogant, actually, isn't it? Calling your own podcast fantabulous. Maybe you could be the uh, judge of that, listener. Maybe you can tell us in the comments, although we do prefer if you say nice things. So if you'd like to say nice things, then great. If you don't want to say nice things, it's a free country. But hopefully you're going to enjoy this podcast today, as you hopefully enjoy plenty of our other podcasts podcasts that you can find on our website. I am joined in the same room as Chris Horton. How are you doing, Chris? I'm really good, Mr. Howard. Thank you for asking. Thank you very much for being here with me because we are talking all things talent today and we've got Dan Whitehead with us and Dan's worked with us on a couple of projects before. So Dan, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Yeah, that's right. I've had the pleasure of working with Lace, so good to good to be on the podcast finally. It's great to get you on. Now, I'm going to build you up and call you a talent guru. And today we are going to be talking about talent marketplace. But before we do about yeah. we, we go on about that, can you just give our listeners a little bit of a credentials update and explain to them why you are the talent guru that I am putting you on the pedestal for? <laughs> yeah, I'll try and justify that statement. So my background consists of 23 years in corporate talent acquisition. So I've sort of run regional or, or global talent acquisition functions with pretty much a focus on financial services. So that's across banking, investment banking with the likes of City and asset management with the likes of Barclays Global Investors and BlackRock and more recently in insurance with, with QBE. And then for the last two years, I've actually been working for myself. So I left the corporate world, cut out on my own, which, is, which has been absolutely fantastic. I've been loving every minute minister and i guess what i've sort of landed upon is or stumbled upon if you like is, is a portfolio career so that includes running my own career coaching company called city career lab doing some ad hoc talent strategy work for corporates on a freelance basis and, and, and through lace i do some executive outplacement work directly and for a third party and then last but not least i've co-founded a, a new business called diverse talent networks uh, that helps leaders diversify who they know, so both from a talent and also from a peer-to-peer networking perspective. So that's me. That's really, really interesting, particularly that peer-to-peer networking perspective, because you and I obviously had a chat, or must have been over a month ago now, when we said, yeah. I said, I wanted to get you on the podcast. Um, what are your kind of soapbox areas? And we talked about this idea of talent marketplace, being able to tap into different types, those diverse talent pools. And can you just, just to kick us off, just for the, the purposes of this, because I said right at the top of the show, we're going to talk about talent marketplace, yeah. just kind of frame that for our listeners, because we're not obviously talking capital T, capital software system run by one of the big houses yeah. are we we're talking about something slightly different yeah no, absolutely it's actually quite a difficult thing to explain you you almost need pictures and i know this because when I, I i had to sort of work on this with a previous employer i was actually the one that was charged with actually drawing it like drawing a talent marketplace so so actually um it is best on my pictures but to try and bring it to life for people in words i mean it, in simple terms it's something that connects and matches people with opportunities okay and it's enabled by people and technology it's more of a concept it's an approach to talent management as opposed to a single place or a system someone logs into 
that's the first thing to sort of remember. So the theory is, on the one side, you can try and picture this. On the one side, you've got the supply side, if you like, which you've got all the different worker categories that an employer might want to tap into. So be they permanent workers, FTEs, contingent workers, freelancers, consultants, gig workers, if you want. And then on the demand side, so the other side, you have lots of work that needs to get fulfilled and work that needs to get get done, or let's call that opportunities. Yes. So that includes anything from FTE roles to projects to gigs to statements of work and, and, and positions and so forth. So really, that's what it is. Maybe if I tell you what it looks like, it's done well. What are the benefits? That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that brings it to life a little bit more. So I mean, when it's done well, a talent marketplace enables an employer to deploy talent in a much more agile way to match the work rather than just hiring people into jobs, which isn't particularly dynamic, especially as we move into the sort of future of work. And then also from an employee or a talent perspective, it enables them to reskill, to upskill, to obviously to grow and develop. And for years now, people have been pigeonholed and associated with a job it's almost like what you identify with and, and you are the job and the job is you and this generation doesn't want that anymore they want experiences and they want to develop new skills and they don't like the idea of just standing still and not not really evolving so so actually it's a really good talent strategy when done well because you you, you can see how a lot of talent would be attracted to organizations that have implemented something like this and, and David, do you think through the discussions that, that you're talking about, yeah. with a focus more around skills rather than a particular job or skills and experience at least, to, do you see that as a fundamental backbone almost of, of, of a good talent marketplace, that, that you've got to have a skills focus to be able to make it work? Or do you think it's not as necessary as, as maybe some people are suggesting? No, it's fundamental, actually, Chris. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's really sort of fundamental to sort of how, how it works. If you like, skills are like the currency makes the talent marketplace go round because, you know, it's quite, it's quite hard trying to match people between jobs. So trying to match someone in, let's say, an, an, a finance job family with an HR job family, you know, it's really hard to find the, the synergies there. But when you sort of break the two sides down into skills and start talking about transferable capabilities and skills, it becomes much easier to see a pathway from one role to another. So actually, yeah, skills is a fundamental and a lot a lot of companies when they approach a talent marketplace and sort of get ahead of themselves thinking, well, we need to buy the technology and we need to implement that and then we're done. But actually, before you can even do that, you've really got to start having a skills ontology and a, and a language around skills. Some people choose to do that manually and other firms you can sort of buy tech in that does that for you as well. And yeah. the AI to do that. And and do you think most companies are because it it almost seems to me so I hundred percent agree with you that that skills are the blood flowing through the, this whole system if you want to think yeah. of it like that I think the the key thing to me is how do you help people make that journey so is it almost a is it almost a bit of a mindset change to start off with because we're all we've all been around and and had seen jobs posted internally and and you know a way of sharing information so is it is it almost a, a first step is actually getting people to have that skills ontology view and then really agreeing what the skills are critical yeah. across the organization for for the different demand pieces that are, are being pulled through yeah no absolutely so 
So actually, it's a massive mindset change and shift required on, on both the talent side and then the, the manager side, if you like, and the people leader side. Huge amounts of change management needs to go with actually implementing something like this. And yeah, we're, we're all conditioned to think in a completely different way. This takes some sort of getting getting used to, but I think it's actually something that employees and talent probably gets a lot quicker than maybe the people leaders and the managers. <laughs> Because for them, this is almost about sort of like career pathing. It's almost natural that they they expect an employer to show them the way in terms of their career and what could come next and what could come after. But employers aren't typically doing that. So so I think you know they really sort of buy into the concept quite quickly. I think it's harder actually for managers or people leaders that have been used to doing it another way for many years. So yeah, do you know what's interesting? I was just going to ask you on that one. So. Yeah. How, how many businesses that you come across are actually doing this and doing it well? Is this something that you've seen a change of this this mindset shift change in businesses? Is that something that you've seen an increase of? I don't know. We almost I almost choose these days. I, I say the pandemic almost as if it's like it's such a it was such a fundamental change in people's lives. It's, it's like it's almost like AD. It's like <laughs> how many years after pandemic, if you yeah. like. So have businesses shifted in that sort of period? Have you seen that? Well, that'd be um, PP, yeah, post-pandemic, post yeah. PP. So what, what's, yeah. what's your sort of view on that? And are we going to be talking about this in five years time or are businesses already making these changes now? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of drivers for the talent marketplace, lots of different ones. One of those actually is the onset of the gig economy. And and I think, you know, the gig economy was already a trend that was well in flow um, before COVID hit, before, before the pandemic. But it actually took a little bit of a hit. So, you know, when you think about contingent worker populations and the gig economy, you know, pe- people rushed for safety around the time of the pandemic. So, and a lot of companies, that was the first cost they sort of cut back on was the sort of contingent workforce and gig workforce and obviously tailored back to, to the core of the FTE workforce. So, so actually it took a little bit of a hit then, but there were plenty of companies and case studies that were doing that before this. I mean, you, you could find some of them online, the likes of Unilever, Schneider Electric, IBM, Standard Chartered, even, you know, to, to name a few. And actually, I think there would be some consulting firms out there and professional services firms that would argue that they've been doing this for years and, and yeah. what's all fuss about? And why have you sort of given this this thing a name and, 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 and everyone's talking about it? You know, it's something we've just been doing as part of our business for years. So, so I think, you know, there's different versions of it. And some firms have really got into the full spirit of it. And with the view to trying to sort of embrace the gig economy and others have done a sort of a talent marketplace light version so you know there's everything in between and and do you see you know in the in the successful companies that, that you've talked about there is there a standard sort of components and direction that they've taken so whether it's mindset change first and then technology investment or is it others have gone technology and then that's driven the mindset change i'm, I'm just interested yeah. in how, how do you think is there a common path that most people take or is, is does it vary across can, those different companies I can, I can tell you the wrong path <laughs> it hasn't gone so well yeah and that's when they've just steamed ahead and, and and come across a great piece of technology being sold the dream and, and and thinking that they can sort of insert that into what they already do and, and 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 then everything will work perfectly of course that's a disaster it's never going to work and it's over before it started but 
the right way is really you need to you need to pull together a task force. It's going to take people from technology, from you know, like the HR technology organization. It's going to take change management professionals. It's going to take representatives from the business because they're going to need to sponsor this and they're going to need to sort of you know stand behind it. Uh, it's going to need obviously um, the HR business partners on side and the talent acquisition team who are quite often the ones that are sort of almost like manning manning the process and manning the barricades, if you like, in terms of how this how this all works. So, so yeah, there really needs to be a task force and quite often procurement as well, because there's quite a lot of spending there. And I'm just I'm just reflecting there as you're talking about talent marketplace and I'm thinking about our listeners as well. So we get HR professionals, CPOs, group HRDs listening in. If they're starting to listen to to what you're talking about there in terms of what when it's done well, when it's not done well, um, yeah. and the type of resource or the thought leadership approach that you need to take. If I ask myself the question as a CPO, I want to start looking at this and I want to really get good at developing out our talent marketplace. What's the kind of first bit of advice that what's the if someone comes to you with a blank piece of paper and says, right, we really want to broaden this out. Where do I start? What's the sort of got a bit of advice for our listeners? <laughs> I'll take it even a step back before that. I'd sort of say, well, why? But ask them why they mm. want to do it, because that's quite fundamental. And, you know, are you, trying to, are you trying to sort of fix a problem? Are you trying to sort of window dress? So I think it starts with a why. I'm not trying to sound like Simon Sinek, but <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> and then from there, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, you can either bring the great and the good together to sort of talk about it as a concept and an idea. But I think it makes more sense to have someone that's had experience of implementing something like this before or, or a product manager or a product leader and actually talking to them because you know that they'll have they'll have more line of sight of exactly what we were just talking about all the different sort of baskets of activities and different programs that all need to be sort of looked at for, for this to work i'll give you an example i got quite a long way into this project of a previous employer and then as you're sort of thinking about internal gigs and moving people around more fluidly than just, let's say, moving with a headcount from job to job, it has massive implications for reward, for compensation, or the bonus yeah. <laughs> payment. How do you performance manage people properly yeah. when they're moving around? It's you know, who's, who's their performance manager? Yeah. It's massive implications. So, and obviously in some regulated industries when, you know, around performance and all sorts of things, it's even more complex. So... So you could rush into this and just think it's a talent project and, and you leave out the likes of reward and compensation yeah. and uh, you'll soon sort of come unstuck. So I think, yeah, it's really about trying to think as holistically as possible. And, and I think that's often fundamental. We look at so many areas of HR and, and people-related topics. Actually, they're so intrinsically linked to, to other areas. So I think that's a great point to, to holistically look at that. I've been involved in the past with sort of competency frameworks and different things which were joyous at the time and then maybe became a little bit problematic to maintain and costly. And with looking at skills ontology and you can buy different skills ontologies from from different companies and, and you know, yeah. you can you can pull some of them together. You can manipulate it yourself depending on the technology that you use. Are we going to get to a point where it's going to be another competency framework discussion and we'll have a, a cottage industry? Or do you think it's more actually because it's being driven by the business and we need these skills yeah. that actually it makes sense, you know, and it will be updated anyway? 
Yeah, I think it depends on business to business. I think you could end up going down a rabbit hole and, and taking a whole year trying to map out the skills by by job, by job family, by function, by region, whatever. That, like you say, can be a, a real labour of love. And then, and actually, by the time you've actually finished, it's probably out of date. So, the way I the way I look at it is, you can let the technology do it for you. So, there's some really great platforms out there, extensions of existing sort of platforms that uses AI. That, that, that actually is constantly reviewing. So I take an example of, a, I don't know, like a bank clerk. So, well, every organization has probably got a slight, a, a similar job description for a bank clerk, you know, different banks. But it, there'll be a few things that are slightly different in there. And then as they post the jobs online and they load them up into their own talent marketplaces, this technology is pulling all of that data and then it's putting it together, mashing it together and coming up with almost a sort of a, this is a best in class. This is what the skills breakdown for a bank part typically looks like. So I, I personally like the idea of that, A, because it's less work and it's more dynamic and it doesn't yeah. need updating and it changes with the market rather than... So it's one of those great examples where AI is actually helping us to do... So yeah. all of that scraping is actually helping us to to keep based on job yeah. descriptions or, or job specs that are going out to the marketplace and, and not having to have a team of people doing that that exact same yeah, thing no, as we've no. seen in the past. But some organisations have been precious about it and sort of say no you know we want to define exactly what 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 this looks like but imagine you could do something in the middle where you let the technology do the hard work and you let them sort of let the the the, the technology if you like spew out the skills for all of the roles and then you could almost then have the business go through and score out or edit as appropriate but it's so much quicker than starting from scratch so and, and and looking at the sort of technology marketplace that exists, are there any standouts that you're seeing amongst either the big players or even some of the smaller vertical players that are, are starting to operate in this marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I think the best talent marketplaces are normally in very large enterprise level organizations mm-hmm. and probably global at, at that as well, because it, it's helping opportunities and talents to come together. It's helping talent to navigate the organization and, and you don't need that in a hundred person organization in Silicon Roundabout, you know, or something, something like that. It's just yeah. not it's not it's not required. So I think I think it's yeah, it's normally those enterprise, probably more mature organizations. I mean I mentioned a few earlier and and, and the sort of poster child if you like for this is for a number of years has been the likes of sort of Unilever and IBM. There's a few more that have come through since then too. By the way, there's a piece of research by Gartner recently I read that said by 2025, probably 20% of large organisations will have some form of talent marketplace. So, so I think it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a trend that's growing and it's already quite established. And what about those sort of medium-sized enterprises? Maybe there's businesses with 10,000, 5,000, 10,000 employees that are thinking, well, we want to do something like this. We don't use one of the big enterprise systems. It's just not right for us. What kind of advice would you give for some some organisations like that that are maybe a little bit smaller? 
Yeah, so I think look, there's, there's different kit that's out there. I mean, the a typical talent marketplace, it's never just one system, as I said, yeah. as I said before. It's, it's, it's almost a concept and it's, a, it's an approach and, and backed up by people in tech. But in terms of the technology, yeah, it could consist of your HRM, your HR, central HR system. It could have an ATS. There could be a contractor management, vendor management system, a VMS. There could be some sort of interface, some time marketplace interface that really is what the the talent experiences, like on the talent side, but it's not necessarily the database side. So so there's lots of different stuff in there. And and I think, you know, even if you didn't have, let's say, um, a big HR, you know, one of the big HR system suites or an ATS, you know, I think you could do this in a much more agile way. If anything, it might actually be simpler. It might be easier. I think the thing that makes it complicated in a large organization is you have all these different systems and you've got to get them talking to each other and set up APIs and get expensive. And, and, and I think if you look at the component parts of it, you think about it, it wouldn't be, and there probably are apps already that, that people have created. If not, maybe this is a great business idea that we've come up with where you can actually easily document demand, look at supply, really look at, and let's face it, in smaller organizations, there's probably different gigs that are happening that that are very specific skills that are required based on the business. Um, You could probably populate them quite quickly. And, and then I think with all of these things, it doesn't have to be perfect to drive value. And I think that's the, for me, is an interesting thing. You know, we talk about agility in so many things that we do, and that's, the you know, one of the whole reasons behind the talent marketplace is to to drive that. I think in looking at creating these, I think for, for medium and smaller size companies, there's either ways that you could do it yourself or there's probably apps out there that yeah. can help people. There, there, there are smaller companies that are probably doing this just naturally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you can, and you can quite easily sort of walk across the floor, or you might yeah. overhear there's an opportunity or there's a project that, that that you can get involved with. But actually, it's those big organisations where you're separated by floors, by silos, by countries, yeah. by oceans. Right. You know, that's where it works best. We are getting towards the end of the podcast. That's gone really quick. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface there, but we are getting towards the end of the podcast. We are as part of our campaign that we've been running called HR's One Big Thing, which of course is why the reason why I grabbed you, Dan, is because I wanted to get you on today's podcast to talk yeah. about talent marketplaces. We, of course, released our research in October, which talks about what CPOs are seeing, what's their thing that's keeping them up at night that they're, they're really focused on. And talent was one of the big elements. So for this month of December, we, of course, have had a, a variety of different initiatives where we're just talking to different experts, gurus like yourself, like your good self, just to talk about, you know, what's going on in the sector and it's really really interesting but i just wanted to just step away from the talent marketplace bit and just talk broadly fifty thousand foot helicopter view of what's the future in the talent space from your perspective so is there anything that you think in five years time this will be fundamentally different compared to where businesses are now in terms of the way in which they attract talent, develop out talent. What's the 50,000 foot, this is the future of the talent space? You must go in different helicopters to me because I've been in helicopters, but not, go not 50, one that goes to 50,000 foot. Okay. Anyway, we know what It's a think, special kind of helicopter. It's a special helicopter. <laughs> Wouldn't like to yeah, experience the cabin pressure in that one. But I think but for me, I, I suppose it's already happening in that organisations are are trying to identify and build relationships with talent much earlier. So it becomes less tactical and less a big sort of fun fight at the point that you need to hire. 
So it's about sort of starting earlier, whether that's about sort of projecting your brand or just starting the conversation. A bugbear of mine is that, especially as a career coach and dealing with a lot of people that in the market trying to get jobs and, and one of the main problems I hear from candidates is they don't hear back when they apply for a job. Yeah. So whether that's on a career site, a job board or, or anything else. And, and and I just think that there's there's so much um, sort of tension in the market around, around this. There's so much work on talent acquisition resourcing teams that goes into screening applications, but they still can't do enough work because there isn't enough people to actually do the work. There's so many applications, and it doesn't actually result in, in that many hires either. So many come through referrals and other sources. So... I think there needs to be a, a, a little bit, there needs to be a better way of trying to match people with the opportunities without all of this tension that, that, that's in the system. And I don't have the answer for you. I wish I, wish I knew what that answer, what the answer was, but, you know, maybe it's a, some sort of platform or, or, or something that, that, that does it for us. I mean, that, that's the idea behind the talent marketplace. It almost, it suggests. Yeah roles and opportunities for you just like amazon suggests things to buy so you know maybe it's something like that maybe certainly we are basically on time now dan it's been absolutely fantastic fascinating to get your insights on the talent marketplace thank you very very much for coming on just giving us a few of your words of wisdom for us today yeah no it's been a pleasure i really enjoyed it yeah me too me too and chris as always my partner in crime thank you very much for joining me Pleasure. Thank you. Of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm not going to tell you where to get your podcast because you already know, of course. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, we will be back with another podcast next week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.